Welcome to Ready for Love Radio. This is your host and love coach, Nikki Lee. Today, we are going to talk to Master Joshua and Karma Said. Now, we're also going to discuss a book called Surviving Master Joshua, the BDSM memoir of an unfaithful wife. So, folks, I want you to put the kids to bed first. Just put the kids to bed. We're going to have an adult conversation. And... We're going to, all right, Karma pays. All right, now, <laughs> we're going to have an adult conversation, and we're, we're going we're gonna to kind of dig into some information that I think you're going to find interesting. We're going to find out some information that you may not expect about this, this topic. So, first of all, I'd like to welcome my guest. It's awesome to have you two with me today. Thank, Thank you. you so much for having us on. I'm really excited to connect. You know, it's not, I don't usually have two guests. This is kind of neat. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's, it's good to have y'all with me. And let me, let me tell y'all a little bit more about my guest. Now, Master Joshua juggles as many job titles as he does lovers. Now, see, I got to tell y'all, I had to get worked into his schedule. It was, it was a little tough, but I did get worked in. He is a pro-dom lifestyle educator, NTSB counselor. That stands for non-traditional sexual behaviors. And I, I pulled that information off your website last night to kind of learn some more about that. He's a spiritual guide, life coach, photographer, and a fetish media producer. You know, you're you're busy with that right there all by itself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm lucky. I'm lucky that it all falls under one umbrella. <laughs> Yeah, it does. It does. I was looking all that over last night, and I was like, you know, <laughs> so, well, you, that's like you look at my my list of stuff on Facebook, and it's like, you know, it's interesting how this all it it looks like a whole lot of stuff, but it all works together, you know. Yeah. So. yeah. And and you're also the co-founder of the Kink Collective, which is a, a New York City based leather tribe devoted to kink education and event production. Your flagship endeavor is People Before Kink, a series of online and in-person workshops focused on developing affinity and empathy. Through all his various endeavors, Joshua's goal remains the same, to relieve people of shame and fear, allowing them to live as who they truly are. You know, I looked at all that, and then I got down to that sentence, and I'm like, yes, yes, exactly. And, and, you know, when I was reading the first paragraph, I wouldn't have expected that last sentence, but yeah. exactly, you know, it's like, and, and the funny thing is, I just finished working with somebody on a book, and that was the whole goal of our book, and, and it's called 
am I normal if? And it's like the whole goal of the book is to say, you know what? It's okay to just be you and helping that's people to get things. I love that, that title. Isn't, isn't that awesome? That, uh, just, and it's just, it's, it's, but it takes so much work to help people to just understand it's okay to be you. Forget that's, everything else and just be you. So I, I, I love it. I just love it. And and I think and I, I actually put this on, on one of the questions I answered on, on the wisdom app last night is our thing isn't it's not what's normal, it's what's natural. Okay. So now now that I've I'm getting off my soapbox. <laughs> so, um, on karma. So karma she she had a decade long career as a staff reporter. Now this is gonna shock y'all, I'm just gonna warn you. In a reputable conservative outlet, and now she's reporting about kink. That's quite a little little leap you took there, Karma. And she's the author. She's the author of Surviving Master Joshua, the BDSM memoir of an unfaithful wife. And she's an editor at Carnal Culture Publishing. I love that name, y'all. An indie publication devoted to supporting, promoting, and publishing nonfiction works of kink and erotica. Which is also very fun. Okay, so, so, and and I I saw some of the reviews for the book and want to read the book, y'all. That's all I can tell you. Oh, <laughs> Thank it's, you. It's a it's an incredible book. That's what I not, hear. And not, That's not just because on the subject. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, I missed. Um, uh, okay, I'll make comments about that after the show. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> okay. How, how, okay, let's start with how did you all meet? Because, I mean, you, you, none of this would have happened if y'all hadn't met. So let's start with how did you two meet? So I, I placed an ad on Craigslist. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. He's <laughs> just messing up my answer. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, uh, okay. And on Craigslist. I'll, I'll, let, I'll let her tell the story. This is, uh, this is her, her uh, beginning. Okay. Um, so, as I said, I was a reporter for a, as you said, I was a reporter for a conservative outlet, and I was working on a color piece, sort of like a, a light piece about uh, kink and religion, the intersection of kink and religion. And, uh, and Master Joshua was the person who hosted the event of which I was, from which I was hoping to draw my interviewees. He he had a panel about the topic, and I attended the panel, and uh, the panel was followed by a play party, a BDSM play party, which I stayed <laughs> for so I could uh, know what I am reporting on, because I can't, you know, write about an experience without uh, attending the experience. Well, um, well yeah. And uh, that was... Uh, that was the premise we met under. So uh, once I walked into the room, though, and uh, it very quickly became clear to me after the play party that my interest in BDSM goes beyond the professional, and uh, as does my interest in Master Joshua, <laughs> which was uh, inappropriate because I was married plus kids. Um, <coughs> M married plus kids. <laughs> it was... Uh, it was uh interesting meeting her that evening because uh, 
I was with uh, my former partner at the time, my partner, and she had told me about the journalist coming to sit in and interview us about uh, BDSM and religion, and I was really excited because my intention behind producing events is to make kink and BDSM accessible for folks who are ready to explore that part of themselves. Uh, right. I have a very structured way of hosting events that a lot of people would associate more towards the old guard. Old guard being pre-internet BDSM, I'll, I'll, I'll call it. And, okay. Because uh, it, was, it was a much different community then. It was, you, you were mailing each other, right? Like letters and stamps. <laughs> right? Okay. Uh, things like that. Big difference in, in community and culture and the way the community operated to how it operates now. So having a platform to be able to speak about what it is we're doing and having a journalist from a newspaper come to, to talk to us about it was like a great opportunity because the intention is to normalize identity, right? And I say identity because when you open the door to BDSM, you have to ask yourself, well, who am I? Right? What am I looking to experience? Who am I looking to connect with? What does this look like? Right? It takes some introspection yeah. to really get into the meat and potatoes of this journey. So when I bumped into her in the hallway and I saw her, her face of surprise and amazement and wonder, it was really, uh, it was really intense. Just recently we were talking about how impactful and raw it was for her to walk into that space because you go from someone who is living a, the standard life, the expected life of married and children and, and a job to you walking into a room and it's full of vulnerability and sexuality and intense emotions, right? Like right. zero to 60. And that's not a perspective <laughs> that I had until very recently. Uh, so the look in her face made sense. It was more than just my good looks, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> the first time, uh, the, the entrance, it really was like opening a door and falling into a different world. And Oh, definitely. Uh, and, and I was... Uh, it it was instantly, I kept pursuing the story, but it was instantly clear to me that this is something that I speaks to me. <laughs> it kind of yelled no. at me. It didn't speak at me. <laughs> it's, it it kind of <laughs> was like, a, this is real, uh, apparently. It's not just the movies. It's not some, you know, eyes wide shut. It's, uh, it's, it's exists in reality, and, and it's um, showed me, right away aspects of ways people are together and people it's kind of, kind of like seeing like um, there's more colors in the spectrum that you weren't able to see before or there's more uh, there's new feelings there's new sensations that you when you thought you knew everything already and right, uh, that right. was my take from the first 15 minutes <laughs> the whole book <laughs> Well, it's, it's also, it, it's, sometimes it's like there's, there's new elements of sensuality. I mean, your, your senses are awakened in a whole new way. Oh, 100%. 100%. Right. It's, imagine if you had permission to explore your own body without shame. And then imagine right. if you were able to ha learn that self-awareness, self-knowledge, and have a space to communicate it without judgment. Exactly. Right. That's, that's, it's not easy, but that's attainable with 
with risk, right? And the risk is doing things that scare you. Exactly. Well, you know, just just getting to I re, I remember when I finally got to the point where I could just get rid of the judgment for myself. That's that was what was so huge for me when I became a love coach. When the the day I I figured out that if I I understood that I had to not judge my clients and I'm like, "Oh, oh wait a second. If I have to not judge my clients, I need to stop judging me all the time. Yeah. And that that was that opened the world up for me, you know, <laughs> in, in a way that was I mean that that was literally and I am not exaggerating, that was life changing for me. So I, I get that. I get it. Yeah, no, walking walking the walk is a big deal. I mean, even in the BDSM community, right, there's the idea is integrity, right? You have to be truthful in order yep. to get to the real root of all of this stuff. And the yep. idea of the leather community is you have to have a level of integrity to, to, to be here. But it's not always true, right? What ends up happening for folks is we find a place of comfort and we stop working at it. Or we find knowledge and we emulate it as opposed to putting it into practice. Yeah. And that's what I think a lot of people do is, is, and it's not even faking it till they make it. It's just faking it, <laughs> right? Because they're not even aware of a making it process or part right. of it. That right. It's, it's about truth. All of it's about truth. Well, are, are, you, are you doing it to your core or are you pretending? Exactly. Exactly. Integrity can't be only when it's beneficial for, for you. Integrity right. has to be in play when it comes to the things that aren't going to work out for you in the way you think they should. Yeah. Right. It, well, are, are you doing it with, responsibility. Well, are you doing it when somebody's watching or are you doing it all the time? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you guys are making me feel guilty. <laughs> I don't know. I don't do it all the time. <laughs> Sometimes I say I was late for the bus. <laughs> no, but, but the truth is we're all human beings, right? And there's a difference between yeah. knowing it and doing it, right? And we try our best. Will we always make it all the time? No. But it's the fact right. that we're aware of it and that we're actively engaging in doing our best to achieve it. Well, that's it. Being, being aware of it makes a big difference, too. You know. Yeah. You know, are, are we being... That's it. Are we being honest with ourselves or are we pretending? So that's, yeah, hey. <laughs> well, I, I think sometimes there's, there's like, to be 100% candid, yeah, sometimes there's lapses. But uh, the thing is you got to get back on the horse. <laughs> yeah. As in yeah. sometimes if you make a, sometimes if you make a, and, and, and it keeps getting, it's something that you have to keep doing because um, I think living with integrity has two sides of it. Once one is one is doing the right thing to begin with, but the second thing, uh, which is a little bit harder, is like stepping up and when you do something wrong because you're like I can get away with it, <laughs> then and then you remember it doesn't match your values and you have to step up and be like uh, I did something wrong here. I knew it was wrong. Um, I did it anyway. And I'm sorry for it. Well, and, and, and even, 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 even if nobody else knows that we didn't do it right, do we fix it anyway? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have a funny story about that. Uh, I'll, I'll take 
60 seconds. So this whole integrity <laughs> thing, right, doing what's right, I went into Home Depot once, and I've got a track record of this stuff now, right? So, like, <laughs> I put in some time to this whole integrity thing. I go into Home Depot, and I go to buy some chain, and I come up to the register, and they wrote down the SKU number incorrectly. And when the cashier rang it up, it came up to, like, 4 bucks. And I was like, oh, I'll run down and get the number. They're like, listen, just go ahead and take it. So I looked at them. My head turned to the side. And I said, are you sure? And they said, yeah, don't worry about it. It's only 4 bucks. They're not going to miss it. So I take a deep breath, and I walk out the store, and I make the left. And as I'm walking past the main entrance, I turn back into – no, I got to the threshold of where the store ended. And I was like, dude, just go back in and get the number and pay for the change. You don't need to be carrying this karma with you. <laughs> so I just went back in there and I got the skew and I paid my $4. But it's like it has to be ingrained in you to like it's your natural state. But that takes a lot of hard work and a lot of courage. Sometimes uh, master, so, so, like one answer Master Joshua sometimes gives is uh, about master-slave dynamics is uh, it's because I'm two steps of the road, two steps down the, ahead the road. How do you say it? Ahead, in the road ahead of them. Like two steps ahead in the journey. I already been there, done that a while ago, and now I can show you how. So that, that was one of those moments. <laughs> Thank you, sir, for that example, because I could see something to align to. Yeah. Thanks. It's like, it, it just, it's, I think, I think, the more important focus right now is how fast do I rebound, right? How fast am I able to acknowledge my mistake or choice and sure. make the adjustment to fix it? Sure. That's, the re that's the reality of it, right? Is I'm coming up to the problem. Am I going to address it? Am I going to just handle it right here, right now? Or am I going to try to avoid it a little longer? <laughs> Because I'm going to come back to it anyway, right? It's like the trash can, right? There's a trash can and you have a soda, a bottle of soda, and there's like a quarter left, right? Do I walk past it and hold it or do I just drink it and finish it and dump it in right now? Right? Because the next trash can is up two mountains. I've got to carry this damn bottle with me. Exactly. So now we we've talked on my show before about ethical and unethical non-monogamy which which I'm sure comes up from time to time with with your clients and and I I'm I'm thinking that, that karma probably faced this in her relationship as well. <laughs> I think uh, we were <laughs> yeah, yeah. in it. So, so there's a few approaches to that question around um, ethical non-monogamy and unethical non-monogamy, right? Like, uh, how do we handle it? How did we handle Let's start with, how did we handle that? Uh, we started, when we started, we did not, it wasn't sort of like a, hey, let's do this thing, right? It's a relationship that, evolved slowly over time uh, without for a long time without setting any sort of intention we were setting a different intention uh, I wanted to bring my husband in and uh, that did not that did not work uh, out for us on the straight off on the beginning um, he, he wasn't in on that he wasn't up for that idea huh well he I didn't. I I started wanting to explore with him, uh, 
correction. I wanted to explore and to be shown by Joshua this. I wanted a guide. And he seemed to be okay. able to guide us. And I wanted to open this, the door to learn more about this world. And I wanted to see him again, too. So uh, um, I followed his suggestion on, on, on what to do. And that was actually a very good moment. Because he said, why don't you tell your husband you want to explore and, and get permission to step into this world. And tell him if he doesn't want to come, tell him you'll bring it back to him. And uh, that's kind of how the framework in which we started. I had okay. permission to explore, though I didn't have permission for the relationship that evolved through that exploration. When we met, the intention wasn't to uh, to hook up or connect. It was, I mean, is, is she beautiful to me? I, I love who she is. I love, she's the most beautiful thing on the world, almost. Uh, I like Sour Patch Kids better. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, <clears throat> the intention wasn't to be with her. It was to provide space to make this uh, journey accessible. Because I believe for folks who are ready for this, it's a life-changing experience. I've found my value in relationships through this journey to overcome sex addiction. And I've found my connection to God through this journey. So it's very important for me, for folks who are looking to find something larger that they can access it because it can be very pivotal to them in life and existence all in, uh, in itself. The, it, it developed, it progressed uh, after meeting over the podcast, over the, uh, the roundtable discussion around BDSM and religion, <coughs> excuse me, around uh, the Me Too movement. And uh, while necessary with the, me, with the community, the Me Too movement uh, definitely put a spotlight on the predators and the bad actors within the, in, within the community. The okay. pendulum, having swung so hard, went beyond the predators and uh, became weaponized. And I was uh, I fell victim to the weaponization of Me Too by being falsely accused by uh, two exes consistently back to back. It all happened within a year of itself and. Karma came in right at the beginning of the first one. Mm -hmm. So she went from journalist inquiring about BDSM and religion to now the hot topic of the Me Too movement within the BDSM community. It was a um, juicier story. <laughs> right. Uh, well. also, also, I was um, already developed a very quick crush on the guy. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and anything Joshua was starting to be interesting at that point. So I'm like, well, look, uh, this gives me more of an opportunity to look under the hood. <laughs> <laughs> so with, with that, with the, uh, with the accusations, it was incredibly painful and stressful because how do you disprove something that didn't happen? And exactly. It was, uh, it was an opportunity for me to meet with someone who was giving me undivided attention to share my life story so that I can show someone who, because when you're accused, no one gives you a platform. No one wants to hear what you have to say because you're vilified. Right. And, well, not, and they're, not, they're not really listening either. So <clears throat> They're not really listening either. Correct. So here comes this reporter, right? This is, if I'm going to have an opportunity to speak to someone, it's going to be this one right here because 
she wants to do something with the information. So I'm going to pull back everything of myself. I'm going to show her exactly who I am. Because I host events, I produce events in New York City, and I, uh, I uh, produce uh, retreats and intensives around introspection and journey. If, if you're going to find, if there's something there to see, it's going to be there, right? Predator behavior isn't a one-off. It's a pattern, right? Right. And, this, and it's character and it's energy, right? When the Me Too movement hit, these guys vanished overnight. They like combusted and they were gone. Then you had, these were the predators, the bad actors, which aren't as much as the predators, but they're almost as bad. Those guys have to be called out by multiple violations. And then when they were out of the community, that's when the disgruntled and dissolved relationships that didn't go the way one person or the other wanted, that's when they started to tweak the truths or just fabricate truths. And that's where right. I got pulled into it. So I have this opportunity to tell my story to a reporter who I was afraid of, right? I was, I was afraid that something was going to be fabricated that I couldn't disprove. And all I had, all I had going for me was truth. And charm. <laughs> <laughs> and charisma. You know, he... Poor me, I was that reporter that he was trying to win over. He put way too much charm and charisma into it. I fell backwards head over heels, and then he was like, oh, now she's maddening in love. That was more than I bargained for. <laughs> and here we are, five years later. <laughs> <laughs> he showed me, yeah, he showed me the truth, and then, then you know, and then some. <laughs> Here's the truth about you, too. Yeah, yeah. Here's the truth about your, what you really want from life. I'm like, I just walked in. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a, this, when you go on to this journey of introspection through BDSM, it, things happen very fast, right? Because you get a sense of security and safety, understanding you're in a space with others who are trying to talk about these taboo topics. So there's an, 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 Innate, uh, innate level of vulnerability or expected vulnerability just because we're both on this journey, right? So you're taking bigger steps, taking bigger risks because of that commonality. Mm-hmm. So our, rela- our relationship developed from, uh, from it was almost like, uh, it was almost like teacher-student, yet we were adversaries. Like she was going to grow up to be a Kung Fu master too and take me out. <laughs> with her story, so it like was a Karate Kid, version <laughs> on Karate Kid when he hits teenage years. I guess. <laughs> and uh, over that time is when I tried to circumvent ethics, uh, morals with ethics, and that I believe in. I believe in karma as my universal law, right? The big K karma. Uh, what you give is what you get. And in the time that I spent with her. And the safety that she gave me in, it, and it was, it, it was, it was, it's hard to say safety, but you, I felt safe enough to be open, right, and take the risk. And you develop feelings for a person, right, especially when you feel valued. Uh, right. So the desire to give her more and more of myself to the literal point now at this point. Because that's my love language is, is 
physical touch. Like that's how I can show, that's how I best show someone how I feel with and for them. Uh, and as her attraction to me grew, and she was, from where I was standing, my point of concern was my, her consent with me. I, ethically, I didn't need anyone else's consent aside from hers. Everything else beyond that was her choice. Morally, that's incorrect. Morally, everyone should be on the same page. If not, we should be talking about how do we get there or if it's even viable. But that was never a solution because I never gave that option because I didn't take the big step to stop things. I, I went with my own personal desire as opposed to doing what was right. So our connection essentially was built on a broken foundation. The, it came, there did came, come a point later down the road where um, y you can't really build for long term on a broken foundation. I mean, it, it, because I was morally in the wrong from the beginning, kind of, and kind of uh, not being upfront with my husband, and then uh, at a certain point kind of outright lying, that is not a sustainable way. It just life Life goes to hell. <laughs> life becomes hell when that's your life. Um, True. And uh, there was this adversity, and the, the, there was need, and there was connection, and there was reliance between me and Joshua, but there was an adversity because I, I would not... He'd say, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And I'd just say, I, I'm too scared. It won't work, and I wouldn't do it. <laughs> and it was getting... Uh, but the reason I was too scared, the reason is because I didn't trust Joshua because I didn't understand what polyamory is really. In my eyes, he was, uh, what was happening was that there's this guy here who has lots of girls and I'm just one of them and I made the mistake of letting him in too deep and I uh, shouldn't love him in the first place because he has lots of girls. Uh, but, but, um, and that must mean that I don't mean much to him, and that I'm his. In that scenario, his advice is not, you know, in my best interest, right? If I don't, if he doesn't really care about me, I shouldn't really take his advice because who knows what he's thinking about, or who's that for, you know? Um, well, and you, you were, you were still in your relationship with your husband. And thinking in that mentality and not understanding the poly mentality. So, yeah, it, it would be hard to exist in both of those and trying to understand the two different mentalities at the same time. So, right. yeah, that I, mean, was, I was a cheater in my eyes. I was a cheater right. in my eyes. And so I thought as Joshua as a sort of... Uh, also, sort of a cheater, only with his consent. <laughs> like, they said yes because they want him. So, <laughs> kind of like what I'm doing. <laughs> but they still, but you know, it's kind of like he's two-timing on, on, on everybody. That was kind I didn't think it in those words, I mean, but it was sort of in the back of my mind that I'm a cheater. That means he's just a, a it's a lens. It's not even a, it, it's not, not even a, a, uh, 
words formulated into a sentence. It's kind of like the color or the lens you view, you view the life through. If you're cheating, everybody else must be rotten too, <laughs> in a way. So you can't trust yourself and you can't trust anybody. That's, that's just how it feels, life feels like when you're cheating. <laughs> yeah, that's the energy. That's the energy. But I came to yeah. him and I said, I can't do it. I, I need help. And Ultimately, what that was was leading two different lives with a lot of conflict of desire and wanting to abandon, right? Yeah, both, you know, wanting to, <laughs> yeah, wanting to jump off the ship but wanting to be on it. So right. that dilemma was creating a lot of inner turmoil, mentally, emotionally, right, psychologically. And we hit a point where I realized what I didn't, what I wasn't doing was the amount of time we had invested with each other, which at this point was now a year about, right? Yeah. Of intense communications, conversations, emotional reflections, uh, the current state of events as I was still going through the pressures of uh, these accusations. Um, and <clears throat> the, the thing that I was missing was acknowledging the role that she was playing in my life and the trust, the level of trust that she was giving me uh, to, to be safe with me, right? It was really, I felt, I, was, I didn't feel, I was really connected to her. Uh, and what dawned on me is that if she gave me the trust, I would be her dominant, but she would have to trust me. And it would have to be without a doubt because I think up to that point, I have done everything as best as I could with truth. And it was like this was the point, the, the turning point. Either if you want to be my submissive, this is what we had to do. And we had a plan on fixing the problems as opposed to abandoning, abandoning the problem. And that was she had to tell her husband everything that was happening. Because mm -hmm. I couldn't be her dominant if we didn't have that level of transparency and getting and doing what was right. Getting back True. to your square one. Yeah, he said it was he said, I would like you you could be my submissive and I could be your dominant if you wanted to. And here's I would I would get you a collar and you would wear my collar and you can have the collar the can the you earn that collar by telling your husband about us and I'll be there for you and I will help you and I'll support you throughout the way and and your well-being will be my responsibility but you have to do what I say uh, and we basically built a bridge back to a life a functional family life first we worked through the stuff that wasn't working in my family life together and Joshua would tell me what to do and how to fix it or not even he would tell me the steps I need to take what needs to happen how how does the how does the dynamic between my children and myself and my husband need to change for me to move closer to a position in life in which I'm I'm okay I'm ready to tell my husband that um, to tell my husband that I have a master and uh, <laughs> that was difficult but <laughs> to do but we did build up to it and in that 
I'm just realizing it's that now, but in that period of one or two months where I just did tasks around the house and just did, Joshua would tell me, do so-and-so, and I would do it, and it would be stuff that I've been sitting on for years and wasn't able to do, and suddenly with his help, with his, um, just with his will behind me, I could do these things. And that built the trust that was necessary, the, the faith that was necessary to step up and say, uh, uh, I, have, I didn't tell you the whole truth until now. Uh, I didn't tell you. I didn't tell you the whole truth until now. And there's another man, and this man, uh, I've been sexual with him. And so, my so man. how how has your hun- husband reacted to all this? And are you still originally, with your husband? Originally, uh, her and David. Went, when did we meet? Um, the first time we met. It's uh, it's described in uh, so the first time we met, which is described in the end of the book of Surviving Master Joshua. Joshua, David, and me are in. Uh, we met for a drink in a munch, and it it was after a year of me and Joshua being together. It was. Um, they are. They are still married. Uh, so the intention behind our relationship, while it's intimate, it's the goal isn't the intimacy, right? The sexual sexual part of it. Uh, the goal is to help each other achieve goals and purpose in life, to f- to support each other's purpose in life, to be fulfilled and content uh, with the amount of space that she has given me from the first day we met until today. Uh, the amount of personal growth that I've gotten to experience just from her accountability to me uh, has been, you learn, you learn what relationships are about, right? That they're not about, about just the fun, about the, the sex and the partying, but they're about the vulnerability and helping each other be the better versions of themselves. Uh, getting to watch her become that better mother and better wife that she's been wanting to be just in support, just through support has been fulfilling, life fulfilling, right? And that's, that's the purpose behind our dynamic um, from where I sit. Now, the title sex slave, which is something that is newer, uh, you know, when someone hears the title slave, it's, it's um, a lot of people see it as a less than role, right? And if people understood how powerful and how much of a dominant woman karma is and that the title slave is about commitment to being present, uh, commitment to holding space, to feel safe, is is how we get to culminate, how I get to... How, how I get to receive my share of the energy exchange, right? The, the intimacy that we get to share is unfiltered and I get to be my whole self. So right. there's a freedom in that that people wouldn't understand until you actually get to dip your toe in, into unfiltered intimacy. 
And well, and, and the slave plays a very supporting role. Oh, 100%. Yeah, which I, I think people completely miss. You know, I mean, that you need that support. And I don't know another good word right this moment. Um, but it, it's, you, you need that, that person to be there. You know, to it's it's that assist that that knowing that person is there and 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 has your back. You know, that's going to be there to. I'm seeing it in my head, and I'm just I'm not putting it into words. Um, it's, almost like mentor, it's almost like mentorship, right? Uh, we were mentors for each other in perspective and. Uh, her life experiences were able to guide me to find better versions of myself and mine for her, right? To, to be accountable with and for each other and to hold space for mentorship and, and guidance. But I mean, I've I've got that kind of relationship with a couple people where we were just there for each other because sometimes you just, you need to, have that sounding board and and the person that can complete your sentences and and help you to work through things and and to brainstorm and to you know that that you know is there to help you to work through things and talk through it and get through it and and you know that that kind of a thing that you you just you you need that other perspective to get through and put things together and and to get it out the door you know to get it done and and to be accountable. So I, I completely get that. Now, now sometimes there there is additional too, but, you know, but that's not the overall focus all the time. Yes. But um, interesting. You know, I was thinking when you were talking too about about her getting the information and pulling the information out of you and, and writing the article. That actually had the the flip that whole master-slave dynamic yeah. because she she actually had the power over you at that time. But I've, I've also that, had people, because I, I interviewed um, Nina Hartley and in, in, um, Ernest about, about BDSM, and, and they were saying that there were so many times when even as a slave, she was the one that had the power over over so many of their interactions with one another. You know, that him him as the dom didn't necessarily have the power, but her as the slave actually had more of the power um, in their exchanges with one another. What do you think about that? Uh, I I don't think that the in, in, the interview was a form, you know, being wearing the journalist hat was, uh, and later on the author hat. It is a form of power, but I I used it more as a form of seduction. I think. Oh well, <laughs> well okay. There is that part of an interview also. She said, <laughs> she said. She said. If you don't become my dominant, I'm gonna write up this hit piece. <laughs> no, no, no. It was. I, I, no. <laughs> it was not like that. <laughs> I, you know, you may you may have acted out of that uh, no, <laughs> mood, no, 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 no. like you know, let me keep her let me keep her in my good pocket. 
So it, uh, but she could have. She could have. <laughs> so. Yes. No. No. It's uh, to to read her as, as we got closer and uh, she was able to write my thoughts. Like I would tell her things and things about myself, and she would bring pieces back to me. And the way she would describe it was incredibly beautiful. Uh, and to have someone who has spent time studying me, it was kind of intense, right? Kind of surreal. But that's that's what happened. It's interesting to see ourselves through somebody else's eyes and have somebody else to describe us, you know? Mm-hmm. But I, I'm just saying that, that as... As a, rep- a reporter writing an article about you in that situation, she could, she she did have the, that's not how she chose to use it, but she did have that power and could have used it that way. Yeah, I, I had fangs. Uh, the, it, that's why we, we circled for so long, <laughs> like, uh, like in a, you know, wrestling ring. That's why we just kept circling, because it, it felt almost uh, because of my uh, journalist position or title, it felt right. almost uh, like uh, equal adversaries, like people who need to be careful of right. each other. But I was head over heels. <laughs> I, was, yeah. I just wanted, I, I was carrying my heart on my sleeve. I just wanted to put it on his plate and say, here's my heart, <laughs> please. But this whole journalist thing was getting in the way. <laughs> it wasn't... <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like you know uh, we are you know it wasn't like uh, how's they called Mr. and Mrs. Smith where they're <laughs> yeah, equally yeah. powerful uh, foreign agents that you know are against each other it wasn't equal I was I, I wanted to give in to him from the moment he put his hand in me, on me which was like a week later it was completely casual but I was like okay take me <laughs> Please, I'd like to surrender to you. Where do I find? <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't see it like that. I saw it adversarial because of what I was experiencing at that time. It was I was well, not yeah. in a good place. Plus, I come well, off, yeah. you know, I come <clears> out <throat> a little hard. <laughs> so, okay, Joshua, I've got I've got another question with a slightly slightly different thing here. You were talking about. Um, the spiritual aspect of the work that you do. So how how does, and I'm sure the audience caught, picked up on this, so I've got to, I've got to kind of delve into this. And since you all did meet in a, a um, uh, forum and a, a talk, that, a, a panel that you were doing about religion and BDSM, how, how does <clears throat> being a sex worker constitute spiritual guidance. i got to delve into that a little bit with you. Yes, this is going to be a great one. So if you have socks on, if you don't have socks on, put them on because I'm going to roll them off. You ready for this? <laughs> okay. We're going to start with two definitions. Okay. Spirituality is your relationship with yourself, how you treat yourself okay. through, your, through your belief system. Right? Your okay. belief system can be any... Anything you want. Like for me, I believe in karma. Karma is my, my currency. I believe what you put out is what you get. And when I say I believe in it, I believe that is what is governing existence, is karma. Right? Now, okay. religion 
is how you treat other people under your belief system. Right? That's the definition of religion, the action of religion. Now, whatever people choose to put into that slot of belief is their choice. They can put in Judaism, Christianity, Catholicism, any, any belief system they want. That's their choice that they put in there. Now, the integrity part lies in, are they following their belief system or are they emulating what they believe is supposed to be their, their chosen religion? Right, because those are two different things too. If you're emulating the book, you're going to behave one way. If you are operating under the beliefs of the book, if you're walking the walk, you're going to live in a different way. Those are not the same things. Like you got the street preachers out there who go out there shouting at everyone that people are going to burn and all this stuff. They are emulating what they're reading. They don't believe it, but they think they'll find salvation. Maybe they do believe it, fanatically, but. They're emulating what they're reading. They haven't taken the, 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 the steps to ask themselves, what do I feel about this internally? Right? Is it fear that's making me operate this way? And why? Right? So anyway, so spirituality and religion defined. How I treat others, religion. How I treat myself, spirituality. Sex workers, not all sex workers. Not all sex workers. Only those who have done the introspective work to understand the value of holding space and understand that, you know, we're all where we're at, right? And there's no right or wrong way to do it. With that being said, there are some folks who have no idea what they're doing and the power that, that they have when they hold space for a person to come in and say, this is who I am and this is what I need. And you give it to them. Right? There's a healing element of that to a degree. For some, it's being sated, uh, satiated. For others, and satiated, they're scratching the itch. They're medicating themselves. For others, like myself, when I get clients, I, if, they're, if they're in a relationship, I, I ask them, why doesn't your part, if their partner doesn't know, why? Like, we're going to work on getting you right before getting you right on the side of karma before we move forward. Because the level of work that we're going to do is going to be life-changing. You're going to tell me things you've never shared with anyone, and I'm not going to judge you. And that's the first step. Right? And then after that, where do we go from here? Well, where do you want to be? Who do you want to be? What is it that you're looking to experience? And what is it that you're missing out of life? Tell me this stuff. Because I'm going to ask you more increasingly personal questions. I have an intake form that takes about five hours to complete. It's 100 questions about. And all I'm asking you to do, to do is reflect on your life so we can talk about it. Upon that reflection, upon that reflection, right, you're actualizing your, your existence, right? You're speaking your truth to someone who you've probably never spoken to this stuff about before to anyone. And in that process, you start to heal through trauma, re by reliving moments. And we talk through what does empowerment, what does taking power over those moments look like? Right? What was it about it that got you from point A to point B? Like we break down what you have going on so that when you walk through that door with me, you can trust me. And you don't have to think about anything and you can be present with me and we can go through the motions that we're going to go through so that you can experience vulnerability in a space that 
you're going to be respected. Right? Like there was one gentleman who I worked with who was in his mid-50s <clears throat> and he was never allowed to cry as a child. When he got spanked or when he got scolded, nothing. So he came to me and he asked if we could do a spanking session and after our time spent together, uh, it was boiled down to he wasn't able to cry, allowed to cry as a child and he's carried that with him for 40 years. So when we got together, we went and did our scene and we did the spanking and I had to reiterate and give him permission repeatedly that he had permission to cry until he finally cried. Now, people go to sex workers for many different things. The people that I'm working with are looking to change their lives in one manner or another by speaking their truth and actualizing their desire by action. I will walk you through everything you need to do to to hit your potential, to, to, at least to understand your potential, to know it's not out of reach, it's just going to take some work. Right. So that's, that's my fulfillment, and that's how I... Now, if you look at religious texts, right, they all boil down to the same thing, right? Don't be a, a bad person, right? Be kind, uh, be able to defend yourself, right? Be violent if necessary, uh, to defend yourself, uh, love openly, open heart listening, feed the poor, right? remain judgment free, hold space. They all say the same thing in one degree or another. What I'm doing and what we do is we hold space with openness and transparency so you can speak your truth and we can see you without judgment. It's the same thing. The only difference is we're able to help you be actionable on it. Right. right. We help you walk the walk as opposed to talking the talk. Interesting. <clears throat> Interesting. And in that, in that, like I found my my connection to God through BDSM. I took a photo. I do photography, as, as we mentioned, and uh, I took a photo of my former slave in a in a submissive position. And I look at it. And I go, man, Jim has a lot of faith in me. He believes, he trusts that I will always have his best interest at heart. Now, Jim being a human being and me being a human being, it didn't come without fear and hesitation at times and non-compliance at times. Uh, and we would talk and walk and work through it, right? It's like, what happened and why? Why did it fail? Or how did it succeed? So the faith was built through consistent action and through consistent results. And then I said, who else has faith like that? And I said, oh, religious people, either indoctrinated or experienced faith, they still have faith. It's the same thing. I said, well, what do I have faith in? And I sat for a few, and karma came back, right? The positive out, positive return, negative out, negative return. And I had that moment to admit to myself that I do believe in a higher power in a governing force, right? And that gives a person freedom. Right? Belief gives you permissions uh, to act and behave certain ways. Right? To, to say, I have faith, mean, I have faith that if I put out positive, negative won't return, that means I don't have to second guess myself. That type of permission. <laughs> right? That permission of when I hit a hard time, I understand that it's a, it's a time, it's a moment, and it'll pass because I've earned good time too. Right? So those types of permissions. Not permissions to be a, 
an, an idiot. <laughs> <clears throat> Too many people gave themselves permission to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So, for people who think they're curious about kink, what, what, just a couple minutes, what kind of advice would you give them? Uh, I believe everyone's into kink. What I believe is the difficult part is finding someone who is trustworthy enough to be vulnerable with. If you're with someone and you're not able to talk to them openly, ask yourself why. What is it that I don't trust about this person? That I don't feel vulnerable? Have they done something, said something? Am I being overly cautious? Am I not giving them the opportunity to prove to me that I can be vulnerable? Do, Do I feel seen and heard? Right? The intensive that we have is built around that, around how do I find authenticity and take action on it by experiencing it and not just by reading about it. Well, I, would say, I would say there comes a time where um, if there comes a time where, where you find yourself facing what you desire and wanting to follow what your desire in one hand and wanting to do the right thing according to the rules on the other hand uh, and it's a conflict then um, don't <coughs> let go of either of them keep them both say yes to following what you desire and to yes to doing the right thing uh, according to your beliefs and the beliefs of society and the people around you but just find a way that they become both the yes. Make the changes that need to happen, the conversations that need to happen, the decisions that need to happen, and the changes that need to happen so you can have both. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reframe this quote that this brilliant woman told me, and it's going to go something along these lines. Don't worry about what's normal. Ask yourself what's natural. Oh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> you get points for that. <laughs> no, but what you said is brilliant, right? Because we, midlife crisis is you've been doing too much normal stuff. You haven't asked yourself, well, what's natural for me? Exactly. Right? And you That's midlife crisis. <laughs> well, listen, I, I'm, I'm going to use that. <laughs> that's, that's, that boils it down so easily. Doesn't it? So how can they find more about y'all? So I can be found under masterjoshua.com, kinkcollective.net, that's K-I-N-K, collective.net, ssdce.org, which stands for Sanctuary for Spiritual Development and Consciousness Expansion. Uh, All these websites, all the work that I do is around personal development and spiritual growth. Uh, I... My intention is to leave this planet better than, than the way I found it. Uh, and I do believe that if we were to find authenticity within ourselves, we can turn the tide of humanity uh, from destroying what we have, because what we have is precious. And uh, if we keep up this pace, it's, it's not going to be precious for much longer. Uh, also on social media under Master Joshua NYC. Um. If you're looking for the book, the book is Surviving Master Joshua, the BDSM Memoir of an Unfaithful Wife by Karma Said. Then you can Google Surviving Master Joshua. A lot of options will come up. And you can go to survivingmasterjoshua.com. You can get it from there as well. 
the book is on sale on Amazon for $1 through August because uh, my until August I just want I just want a lot of people to read it and the message to get for it I don't want people to be held back by money so until the end of August it's uh, it's for $1 on Amazon and you can find the publication at Carnal Culture Publishing CarnalCulturePublishing.com you'll find everything about the publication if you have anything that you want to say and you don't have how to say it then I am there for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you both for being here today. And we will certainly see if we can't get some people to pick the book up. Listeners, I'll be with you next time on Ready for Love Radio.